This is the Hidden Wire Podcast, episode 1078. My interview with Kari Schneider, and we're discussing Empowered to Succeed. Enjoy. Hi, Kari. Welcome to the Hidden Wire Podcast. Great to have you here today. Well, thank you. It's great to be here. Whereabouts are you in the world? I am in sort of Eastern Canada. I'm about an hour and a half from Toronto, but not all the way to Eastern Canada, since like your country, ours is a very big country. Sort of Eastern Canada. Okay. I like it. Sort of, sort of on the East side of Canada, not central, not Western, not full Eastern, but sort of East side of Canada. Okay. And you're, um, you've got a bit of a backstory. So you're a, you're currently a life coach, got a podcast that you're running, uh, work with helping other people live their best lives, I suppose. Um, but you come from a professional coaching background, don't you? Yes. Yeah. And currently I love to help people reach their high performance, whatever that looks like in companies and consulting. But ultimately I came from a background in strength and conditioning at the highest level of sport. So in Canada, we have what's called a Canadian sport Institute. We have a number of those across the, the country, similar to the Australian sport Institute, but we have a number of them in Canada Okay. And uh, we, and in the one that I worked in, I was a head of strength and conditioning for teams like the Canadian national volleyball team for the men's team and the women's team. Uh, I also worked with uh, national level triathletes, rugby, hockey, swimmers. I worked with the women's national hockey team for three years leading into the Sochi gold medal in the Olympics. Yeah. And uh, and spent a very long time working with high performance athletes, high performance clients, and then just really whoever was looking for their next their next best. Wow, lots mm. of variety there by the sounds of it. Yeah, there's a very big difference between a a tiny five foot tall aerial skier and a massive rugby hooker. So you know, lots of I've had all kinds of different physical experiences with the uh with the athletes but ultimately it's the real success even though we were doing a lot of physical transformation the real success came in the mindset or the mental transformation Mm. and um and that's i dove when i realized that that you know i have a master's degree in lumbar spine kinematics and i'm an exercise physiologist and I have research and heart rate variability and all these physical things, but the, the more, the more detailed we can go into the minutia of getting more and more refined on a topic. What I realized is that that didn't matter as much as what really they believed about their ability. And that took me down a path of a lot of work into understanding the brain and mindset and cognitive behavior change and just things like that because yeah, ultimately okay. that that led to the incredible en- outcome enhanced performance right yeah i've heard that before um on the show here and read about it as well so it's pretty interesting how the mind can can really alter um our performance and success in life mm-hmm. what Massively. um what gets you into that role like how did you get into that role as a, a coach for this the institute uh, it's interesting. I, um, I went to school for kinesiology. Mm-hmm. I went to school in the States for a little while. I finished my degree in Canada and then I started certification processes for, to be an athletic therapist and a strength and conditioning specialist. 
And I knew I wanted to go into strength and conditioning, but I was doing every other certification to support that. So I would be really, really good at what I did and yeah. be able to speak, speak every language, the language of rehabilitation, the language of high performance, the language of physiology. And so, and the language of biomechanics, I did a master's degree in biomechanics. Um, and, but I, I loved high performance sport. I fell in love with it. And I, uh, I started getting contracts with the Canadian Sport Institute. Were you and, always into sports? Well, like, are you a sporty person? Uh, yeah, I, I played soccer in high school. I competed in track in university. So I was very Athletic. mentally and physically competitive in, in, the, in the team sports, but more competitive in the individual sports. Yeah, not very good. Yeah. 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 So I, I was, I was into that, but, uh, I really, but I was, uh, you may not be able to tell, but I'm a tiny human. And okay, so no, a tiny hu- couldn't tell <laughs> I'm a tiny human. So when that, when it comes down to, you know, as a, as a 10 year old or a, a eight year old or a seven year old, and you're picked last for the team because you're the smallest kid in the class. And then you just work so much harder in order to prove to everybody that you can do it. And then you realize somewhere along the way in your sporting career that if you had any chance to compete against the bigger players in soccer or other sports, that you needed every edge you could possibly have. And that's that's me. I'm the one that got into the weight room by the time I was 15, 16 years old, because if I wanted to be able to hold my own being such a small person, then I had to have every edge I could. And that was how I got into the gym. And, and the other big thing is that, and this is something that I don't know how much your listeners or your, um, or your guests share upon, but it's one of those things that I was a kid who was looking for that love from my father. And I saw my father watch every single sport that existed for hours on end on TV. And somewhere I didn't realize consciously at the time, but somewhere in there, it was like, if I'm good at this, then someone's going to pay attention to me. That's hmm. So I got really, really good at all the things that I thought would, would be, you know, a, a great thing to other people's opinions and, and eventually realized that, okay, wh- what do I really love? And what I realized after almost after probably 15 years in high performance sport, which it's like the highest end of anything, business or politics, it's cutthroat at the top. A lot of people get fired, a lot of turnover. Um, There's a lot of pain and heartbreak, especially in sport when people are getting cut. Yeah. Um, But what I realized is that I, although I've always loved physicality and sports and athletics and outdoors, I was more in love. I fell way more in love with the transformation that had to happen for that person to get to their next level. And that transformation was so much more than physical. It was mental, it was emotional, it was intellectual. And even though my role in the sport was the physical and the physiological and the strength and conditioning, all that power side of things, I realized that if I wanted that out of them, then I had to make sure that I was right in here with them too. And that they had every bit of trust, every bit of confidence in me, in themselves. And so it, uh, it's that transformational journey and 
that I really fell in love with. And it's... uh, You transitioned along the way from physical sort of coach to more entire? Well, what happened was... um, our, our Canadian Sport Institute had some facilities that got flooded and we mm. were in a position where we had zero, um, we didn't have the in- infrastructure and the gym space for our athletes to train for the upcoming Olympic qualifier. And so I thought I'd be all crazy. As a single mom, I opened my own facility. I opened a 6,000 square foot facility in the end of 2005, 2006. And when I did that, um, I knew that I couldn't survive as a small business on the funding from sport alone because Canadian sport, unlike many other countries in the world, is they basically fund on the poverty line. It's very low pay. And so I knew that I'd have to bring in other clients. But because I was coming from the highest level of sport, as soon as I opened my doors to the general public, the people who showed up were doctors, lawyers, business owners, people who wanted the highest edge because they knew that I worked at the highest level in sport. So what happened was that when those clients started to come in, first of all, I got really close with my athlete clients because in order to get the most out of them, if they're having a bad emotional or mental day, I'm not going to get much out of them physically. I might get some out of them, but something's going to be off. So you have to be really connected with them. So when the regular public the general public clients started to come in, they didn't just, they weren't just focusing on the physical. They'd be telling me everything from their marital problems to their business problems to their, and I'm just like, you know, I'm an expert in physiology and biomechanics and power production. And I'm an Olympic level two Olympic lifting coach, but I I don't know about your marriage problems kind of thing. So I did a lot of work to just help myself. Yeah understand and serve them and then that allowed them to then they were getting more and wanting more in terms of you know how how do I do this what do you think about this and it just evolved over years and years of of coaching that then I was in the realm of life coaching in the realm of of leadership coaching in the realm of performance coaching in business instead of just in the Sports. in the physical training center yeah how long have you been doing this for now sounds like you got some years of experience yeah um i started i started working with the canadian sport institute in 2001 and prior to that i'd already been doing things like personal training and that kind of thing for probably four years before that so i've been doing this for a long time yeah, yeah. <laughs> So almost 25 years. You've got the experience. In terms so, of some sort of culture. Yeah. High performance in whether it's sports or just in life in general. And now you sort of focus really on that on that life coaching. Is that right? Is you're, you're just helping individuals with their performance or do you well, work in companies as well? So I consult for businesses in the specialty of leadership development and culture creation. Right. So typically I'm working with the the CEO and whatever other leaders that support the CEO. So it might be the chief financial officer um, operations director, whatever their leadership team is, their senior leadership team. So I'm working with them on the leadership skills. That might be communication skills. It might be building rapport. It might be trust building. It might be uh, difficult conversations. So those are the things that I consult for in businesses and culture creation too, that happens along that line, because they can end up 
being pitted against each other, even though they're supposed to all be a team, mm. one department is upset with the next department and they're seeing each other as opponents instead of a team. So culture creation, leadership development in the consulting realm. And then when it comes to private clients, I take on a handful of those, but not very many because it takes up a fair bit of time. So I will work with one-on-one -on -one, and they're usually business owners. Um, of some sort, actually every single one of my clients, my individual clients are business owners. And then we also run a, cause I want, I want availability of world-class coaching to general public. So I made a, a really reasonably priced group coaching membership and we bring world-class coaching to that entire group wow. so that they can have the same skills that someone would have in the one-on-one -on -one environment and have some of the similar coaching that someone would have in a one-on-one -on -one environment, but it's in a group environment and it's priced much less. And we have various topics that come up each month that we stick with for themes that are the ones that people want to know about. It's the, you know, how do I, how do I deal with my relationships, my feelings, my difficult conversations, all of those things. Yeah. Not fantastic. And then bring in the health side of things too, because if that area isn't being focused on in some realm or another, it's going to affect everything else in right. life. Yeah, hundred percent. So with, um, I guess performance coaching or, or life coaching, what is most important or where do you start with people in this, in this field? Because obviously it's going from everything to their relationship, to their health, to their business. Mm -hmm. How can you narrow in and focus on, you know, what we need to do to get started in, in, self-improvement? Um, there's a few key questions on it, on the intake forms that I, that I give every time. Yeah. And, and they're, they're questions like, what would you, what would you like to see happen? What would be your primary goal in the next three months? Mm -hmm. um, another one would be one in the next three years. What is, what do you look for? What are you looking for, for the next three years? Yeah. And then there's ratings in all of those key categories of life. So whether it's relationships or career or self, personal health and all of those things. And then they rate where they are in those things and where they want to want to improve the most. And then I'm also asking um, how they respond the best. So for instance, I have one client who I can be hard on, really hard on, because that's what he wants. That's what he needs in order to really wake up and see what's going on for him. Whereas there's other clients where that need a lot nurturing. of acknowledgement, nurturing, support, and then they'll take that next step because they feel like they're safe. They feel like they're supported, whereas others want to kick in the pants. And so some of my intake forms flesh that out along with an initial consult. And that initial consult or discovery call is key because I won't work with everybody. There's, mm. there's businesses that I don't want to work with. There's individuals that I don't want to work with. And unless I think that I'm a great fit for them and they're a great fit for me, then I'm not going to work with them. And that's an important part of it because me loving to work with that human or that business is part of what gets their best uh, out of the process because I'm lit up and giving my best. Yeah. So it's it, it ends up being a great win and it takes me out of scenarios I've been in my life that led to burnout, led to 
um, me doing everything for everyone else instead of, instead of meeting my own needs. So there's a lot that I've experienced personally that contribute to how I can offer the experiential side of coaching versus just the, the tried and true methodologies of coaching. Okay. With, with, um, I guess, human to human interactions, are you able to identify what sort of aspects of their life are needing the most focus? Obviously you talk about strength and conditioning and that sort of thing, but beyond that, how do you tap into the deep side? They, they, they know they'll come. So people will come, let's say someone, a client comes in and they want support. They want, they want health coaching and they want support with their business. So business decisions. And that's all they've asked for. And then as we get to know each other better, every single session, I'm asking about what their wins are. Every single session, I'm asking what the key emphasis is. And I always send a form ahead of time that asks just a couple key questions. So I know what's been going on in case we haven't touched base in in between the time that we've spoken. So I already know what's going on before I go in. But even though they'll say one thing, there's typically something else that's there that may, they may be blind to, and it might be the quality of their relationship with their spouse. It might be the disconnection with their children. It might be, and, and like it or not, whether it's a business owner or a CEO running a company, those little things going on behind the scenes, even though they think that this is the problem in the company, when something's a problem with their family life or their home life, it impairs their ability to deal with the thing that they are trying to accomplish in the business. And they're not as clear. They're not as focused. They're not as much of their high performance self or their best self. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if you're, um, I mean, obviously dealing with a lot of people, but what, what are some commonalities that you find that most people um, you know, with a simple change could um, really help improve their, their performance in life and business. I'm assuming there's a few um, things you come across. You've talked about health before, obviously. Uh, one of the big ones is because because the demographic I tend to attract are, are people who are achievers. They tend to be overachievers. They want to do a lot. They're striving yeah. for more. Yeah. So those are the people I tend to attract. Knowing them, then sleep is often an issue. Right. And so if they can, yeah, if they can, if they can get that dialed in with some key actions, then that makes a huge difference. It makes a difference in their mood. It makes a difference in their clarity. It makes a difference in their ability to have energy throughout the day. It makes a huge difference in everything. It's pervasive across all areas of life. Mm. So what is good sleep? Hmm. Great question. Um, well, I'm, as you know, I've got a research background, so I like the techie stuff. This is an aura ring. This is a Garmin watch. Yeah. How's that? This, the aura ring is fantastic for monitoring sleep. So it, it, yeah, it's really good for monitoring recovery. It's not a great tool for monitoring, say training for performance, but it's a great tool in monitoring recovery. So and whether someone's tracking this or not, but these, these metrics are available. These tools are available now and they're, they're miles better than they used to be say 10 years ago, 15 years ago. Um, so I would, 
find out how many hours I would find out whether they're waking up, whether they're falling asleep well, whether they're waking up uh, with without being groggy, find out how much they're getting up in the night if they are. Um, and yeah. then something like this would tell the more detailed metrics, like how much deep sleep are they getting? What's their heart rate? What's their heart rate variability? What's their uh, light sleep? Are they getting into the deep cycles that they need to? So say three or four deep cycles. Um, so those things are really pretty easy to see now. And because I have a physiology background, it's easy for me to take a look at those, but that's something that I know that I've had clients in the past who have said, well, when I started eating better and I started moving regularly, I thought that the sleep would just fall in place, but they're not taking specific actions to support their sleep, hmm. such as stopping screen time a little bit before bed, right. stopping eating two hours before bed. There's a number of things that can be done. Having a 10 minute meditation earlier in the day. So things like that will support a sleep that leads to someone being able to perform at a world-class level for whatever their thing is during the day, whether it's running a company, whether it's, um, you know, like I've got clients who one owns a, a tourist style deli, another one owns a, a physical training studio. Another one is a finance um, fundraiser in the, you know, triple digit millions. So it just, it, it's different for everyone in terms of what they want, but all of them want clarity and energy and performance. Hmm. All of them want that, even though they're different roles in the world, yeah, course, they all yeah. want clarity and energy and performance. Yeah. That's what I want. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, I get it. I'm in real estate, as you know, and um, yeah, certainly that, that clarity and energy throughout the day is important. And sleep, you know, is is up and down sometimes. Sometimes I'm just like in the zone. And I use the Garmin as well. And that seems to be mostly fairly good with tracking sleep. But sometimes I get up and I look at it and go, geez, I don't know how that says I had a good night's sleep because <laughs> I feel like rubbish, you know? So, um, yeah. so you have to go I can with how you, you feel little, too. Well, I can give you some intel on that. Sometimes when, when for if you've gone for a few days with a really crummy sleep, and you're kind of, you're finding a way to plug through your, you're feeling good enough. You still have enough energy and then you finally get a good night's sleep. And maybe it's a solid eight hours. Maybe it shows some good deep cycles. Maybe it even gives you a score of saying like you are recovered. This was awesome. But then you will have what's called sleep inertia. So you come out of that sleep and you feel really groggy because you've gotten into some deeper zones that you haven't gotten into for a few days. So that's where you can play the mental game of going, okay, I know I'm a bit groggy. I'm feeling a bit sluggish right now, but it's just because my body, everything slowed down the way it needed to mm. in order to get that deep sleep that I needed to. And I promise you, if that's what happened, then later that day or the next day, you're going to feel like you truly are recovered and you're back on track. Yeah. Okay. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Cause that's happened a few times actually. And it's probably exactly after that scenario. So what can we do to have um, some better sleep? Obviously you said snow screens, you know, a few hours before bed, no eating a few hours before bed, um, regular sleep cycle, important. How much, like how much sleep should we have? Is it seven hours? Is it nine? It's between seven and nine. 
So yeah. it depends on activity levels. It depends on age of life. As people get older, they need just a little bit less usually, but not much less. And then, you know, if somebody, what often happens is that people are, you know, they got into Netflix and they're staying up too late and they had some wine and they're finding they're in a pattern of having a glass of wine, watching a bunch of Netflix, and they're not going to bed until midnight, 1am. And they want to go to bed around 10pm. And so when that's the case, then we start with one thing at a time, the easiest thing to change, because they might really be in the into that pattern. And then we say, let's let's start with the removal of the wine. Can you do that? Can you make it a tea instead? Because the wine itself will impair any alcohol before bed will impair the sleep badly. So what happens, you feel really groggy. You feel like you can fall asleep because of the, the effect of the alcohol, but then the blood sugar spikes a little while later, it wakes you up and then it, it, uh, disrupts the sleep for the rest of the night for most people. Yeah. So, so things like that. And then from there, if they're looking to move that bedtime in order to be able to get up and feel fresh in the morning or work out in the morning or do something, then we move it by 15 to 20 minutes a night. So they're not trying to go to bed. If they try to go to bed at 10 and they've been going to bed at midnight, they're just going to lie in bed awake, pissed off. Yeah. You know, they're not going to be a happy camper and nothing's going to be changing. Mm. So we just start with 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And then they can slowly shift their body's clock and then feel much better getting up earlier, feel much fresher and be changing some of the it's just the, it's the bedtime hygiene, if you will. It's the yeah. things that need to happen in order to get what you really want to get throughout the night. Yeah. So sleep, very important for that performance piece. Um, you also talked about, you know, health and, and diet as well. And I guess that interlinks to sleep as well. What in, intel can you share us on, on those two sort of topics? Anything? Um, one of the things I see a lot in women is that they don't intake enough protein. Uh -huh. um, one thing I see a lot in people in general, they don't intake enough vegetables with every single meal. Right. Um, those things, because those are where that's where you're getting a, the majority of your micronutrients. Then what happens over time is that people become deficient in something. They don't know it. They feel like crap. They just mm. keep operating, but they're feeling like crap. So usually it's a combination of two things. One, they're deficient in some nutrients that they may need. And two, they're also probably building up over time, just whatever toxic exposure is there. So it's going to be, you know, micro chemicals and plastics. It's going to be heavy metals. It's going to be things that as we get older are just building up in our body. So we want to remove as much of the toxic load as we can bring up as much of the nutrient intake as we can, and then be aware, start learning about our own individual needs. So for instance, there's so many diets out there and so mm. many people who are stuck on, it has to be paleo. It has to be Mediterranean. It has to be keto. It has to be vegan. It has to be vegetarian. It's not one of those that is is the thing it's what suits the individual and that same individual may have had the best thing for them might have been vegetarian whereas 10 years later the best thing for them might be something that's more meat-based it depends on 
their own gut biome. It depends on their own individual genetics. It depends on how they've evolved over time, what stressors they've incurred, what, what viral load they're carrying from whatever viruses they've had throughout their life. There's so much there that does not mean that everyone should be eating the same style or same way. What it does mean is that everyone needs to have vegetables. Mm. Everyone likely should have fruits and everyone needs to figure out what works best for their energy and their system. And that's a trial and error basis. And yeah, absolutely. Probably, you know, so yeah. most people don't want to look at that unless they're really, unless they have a health scare, they have a health scare and then they're going to revamp everything. And if they didn't have that health scare, then they probably will go on with their favorites and not ignore that they're not good for them. Yeah, maybe not experiments enough. I've found that, you know, um, just by interviewing people like yourself on the podcast and people who are vegans or paleo or whatever, and they're pushing that sort of agenda. So I go down that route and try it out. And yeah, you find that balance of what works for me and what makes me feel the best. Not always good at it, I'll, I'll tell you, but um, mm -hmm. you can find that out through trial and error. And I think that's the best approach. Yes. Yeah. And the thing is, is that even a vegan or vegetarian or paleo or whatever doesn't work for you, guaranteed you learned something from it and guaranteed you pulled yeah. something new out of that whole experience. Like I went, uh, my husband and I did, um, we did 12 months. So this is my brilliant idea at the time. I don't know what I was thinking, but I, I decided to do 12 months of 30 day challenges. And we would do meditating for every day for a month. We would do, and this is where we tried vegan for the first time for a full month. I'd eaten vegan here and there before just to try it out. But it was the first time that my husband and myself could see, okay, you just have to try different things. Now, vegan isn't the best thing for me right now at my age and at my health level, but I'm so glad that I understand so much more about it by going for 30 days of nothing else but that and then still eating various meals that are vegan now but um but they're you know it's just i have a different approach for what i need right now yeah 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 it's good to see you've got a partner that's um you know driven as much as you to to do their day challenges each month that that proximity that proximity of people around you makes such a huge difference and i've seen so many times how hard it can be for a client or a friend, if they're endeavoring to do something and their partner isn't on board and that makes it so much harder for them because they're around someone who isn't supporting that same thing. And they may not be saying anything that's against it, but it's so much easier to make big changes when there's somebody who you're either doing it with or they're cheering you on or, or anything like that. So 100%. yeah, it, it can be. Yeah. How do you deal with that situation? Because you must have people that you come across that, you know, are, are very goal-driven and their partners, um, not nasty or anything, but just totally opposite, you know, not driven, not connected, not on the same path. Yeah, um, I've seen really interesting things happen over time. Sometimes it works best for them just to do their own things. And then when they come together, they love each other. They're, you know, they just accept a lot about the other person and it's different than them. And that is... That's a mindset that I admire so much because I typically have a mindset that I want us to be on the same page. That's a big deal to me. Mm. But for the partners that can go, okay, what you do your thing, I'll do mine. And when we come together, we just adore the differences that we have. We adore each other. 
that's, that's, I think an admirable thing, but there are some couples that truly need the support from the other person because one person might be responsible for making the meals. One person might be responsible for the grocery shopping. And so then they feel, sometimes they may feel sabotaged if they verbally said, I need these things or not these things, but then they keep showing up in the house, then it, it puts a challenge on, mm. you know, do they even, do they even bring it up? Do they ignore it? They're struggling with it is, you know, so it can be, it can be challenging. hundred percent. Yeah. I know the feeling what um, around mindset. So just touching on this final topic, what are your thoughts around mindset and what can we do to help improve our mindset? Um is to practice becoming aware of the thoughts that are coming up. And the easiest way to do that is whenever something is agitating. So say you're sitting in traffic and somebody cuts you off and you get that tense kind of tight feeling in the chest or mm. whatever it is, that yeah. feeling in that moment, just take the moment because that's the signal. That's the like tap on the shoulder to say, Hey, what's going on there? And if you pause, you're going to notice that there's a number of thoughts there, like what an a-hole or I can't believe they did that or, mm. you know, or they don't deserve to go in that spot. And it's, it's less the circumstance of the person doing the action and more what we believe about it. That's causing how we feel. And so when, when we start to realize that everything that happens, everything, it doesn't matter whether it's the weather, whether it's, you know, somebody's birthday party, it's what we think about it. That's bringing our experience of our own life. If I think that it's, you know, if I think that person's birthday party is the worst thing ever, because that person doesn't deserve to celebrate their birthday party, I'm going to feel pretty crummy. Mm. But it's not the birthday party that's making me feel crummy. It's my thoughts about it. Mm. And so when we can practice catching those thoughts, then we can then decide which ones do I want to believe? Because our brain is going to throw us so many thoughts. It's going to throw us so many thoughts that have nothing to do with anything that we want in the world. They're just a whole bunch. It's like popcorn, just pop, 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 pop. There's 60 to 80,000 thoughts per day are happening in our, from our brain. Mm. But the majority of them are on repeat. The majority of them are negative or past programming. And they're not necessarily something that we want to honor or believe. And so if we realize that and then just start listening to, oh, do, do I really want to think that thought? Is that, is that going to serve how I want to show up today? Is that going to serve who I want to be tomorrow? Is that going to serve me as my future self? I don't, I don't know. And then the question becomes, if we look at what we identify with, all it is is that if we think a thought over and over and over again, it becomes a belief. Yeah. And if we believe that thing for long enough, it's a conviction. But if we believe that thing about ourselves, because we've been thinking it over and over and over and over. I'm no good at blank. I don't like my, I hate my body. My body sucks. Um, I, I can't do it. But if we think it over and over and over again, and it's a belief, and we believe it about ourselves, it becomes an identity. Mm. 
And when we're looking to truly change and evolve in a direction that we want to go, it's unpacking some of those things. So we're not in our own way for what we really want. Yeah. Yeah. That's the work. Mm -hmm. Totally. That's, that's the work. So Harry, thank you for coming on the show. You've got a website here called the empowered.ca. Is that right? Correct. Yes. Yep. So people can jump on there. You've got the podcast there. I can see. Um, can people reach you through that, through your, your channels? They want to yeah, chat. we can. You can go. Our podcast is the Empowered Team Podcast. And then we're on Instagram as well. And that's the underscore M-P-R-W-D. And uh, yeah, we people can reach out in whatever way. And if there's any way we can support you and your endeavor to get great information out to support people's lives, then let us know. That's awesome. Um, guys, check it out. Um, I'll put the links in the show notes at thehiddenwide.com so you can connect with Kari. And um, yeah, learn more on the podcast as well. Thank you, Kari, for coming on the show today. Amazing. Thank you so much, Lee. Thank you. Guys, check it out at thehiddenwide.com. Until next time, peace, passion, and Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to The Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwide.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there, and also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is lee martin Utsi. until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon